0: Welcome to Stat. I'm telling you all medical true crime stories. And it gets bizarre. Karen Wickham, yeah, she used to work in the R. And now she's sharing the knowledge. So let's get involved. hey funny and scary at the same time. Medical mysteries, all facts. She ain't lying. <laughs> so tune in to Stat if you dare. Cause crazy things can happen anytime, anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Stat. Shocking Traumas and Treatments, and I am your host. Karen Wickham coming to you from beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I am not alone. Hello, everybody. It's me, Mary. Hi, well, Mary.
1: How I haven't doing? seen you in a while. Well, we've been busy. No, we yeah. haven't.
0: Okay, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> oh, it's I've been, been about busy. a month since we were recording. Where, <laughs> well, where have you no, been? No. Oh,
1: well, we've had a few things going on. And... Yeah, a
0: lot of personal stuff, uh, slowly but surely getting sorted out. So yeah. here we are.
1: Oh, um, and we got a puppy. We
0: got a puppy. Yes, we got a beautiful little gigantic girl that uh, <laughs> is three months old and 25 pounds. And uh, yeah, well, there's pictures on the Facebook group. If She's you, beautiful. If you want to go see. She's but,
1: beautiful, beautiful little girl. And there she is.
0: All right. So we last left off. Let's just get into it because it's been a while. Yes. And I was doing the final touches on it over the last day or so and getting enraged again. Right? Um rare and to go. Rare and to go. So we left off with Kathy Wood. We told her whole sorted, is that you say? sorted story uh from when she was a teenager all the way up. Yeah. yeah. She got married, had a kid, blah, yeah. blah blah. And she's in worked at Alpine Manor and she started to get really out of control. Um Her background, we gave her background. Yeah. And we so the last part we her left saga. off Saga We last part we left off was with her, um, you know, meeting up with Delta Dawn, and uh, Delta Dawn, the 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 young woman from uh, Alpine Manor. They started to date, so to speak. Uh, uh, Yeah, Delta Dawn. Yeah. No, what was her name? Dawn Male. Dawn Male, M A L E. I I think that's so funny. But I'm just thinking about how the story's about, you know, talks about Dawn. Then there's a song by Helen Reddy called Delta Dawn, which is a really sad friggin' song (laughs) about this woman wandering the streets looking for a man. And uh, yeah, and then of course we've got the Delta virus. It all ties in together. And Mm -hmm. then because this this is a medical-based show, we've got psycho, irresponsible, crazy nurses that are refusing to get uh, their vaccines. Oh, don't get me started on. So well, we won't start of, you on that. Yeah, I, no, yeah, because no, I just, it <laughs> I, it, yeah, I end up with a migraine and lose about fifteen pounds in sweat and <laughs> and raving. Steam,
1: steam comes out of her ears. Yeah, so. and
0: air punching. All right, let's get into Gwendolyn. She is the other part of the duo, um, serial murderous duo, uh, at uh, Alpine Manor. Okay, Gwendolyn Graham. She has a long history of abuse. Uh, from her family Um, and she also had a ton of head injuries and I think you put those two together it may explain her behavior and what she did this is no justification but the huge point of why I do this or talk about this or I'm fascinated is trying to figure out what happens in the brain that causes this and breaking this down I I just kind of went you know we're looking at a psychopath versus someone who has PTSD and head injuries. So it's sort of like an acquired brain injury that led to her behaviors versus someone who was just plain psychopath that had no obvious trauma growing up, though, unless it, you know, I haven't read or seen anything that indicated this, except for I believe she was telling lies. And... um so you put the two together you've got the perfect storm
1: yeah for sure i think you've got you know two different origin stories here if you want to say it but uh you know Gwendolyn was the victim of some horrific abuse and we know that abuse in childhood well abuse in in particular in childhood when the brain's developing will change the actual structure of the brain so she had that going against her and then you add on that head injuries which can influence the structure so let's break it down
0: um her so her father sexually abused and beat her into her mid-teens her mother was demanding and critical and cold and she was acting this way towards her since she was very very young two to three years old she had a psychic um she had a cycle of abuse psychological and physical abuse towards Gwendolyn where um There was a pattern of behavior of conflict, punishment, and rejection. So, um, conflict, she didn't do what her mom asked her to do, which two to three toddlers do. I didn't want to eat her dinner or something. Then she would get physically punished and then rejected. So, obviously, that is going to cause major trauma. Um, And so, she was robbed of her childhood. She desperately wanted a relationship with her mother, which she would never be able to get. And she spoke about her father like he was a saint, which is, again, a common thing that can happen for whatever reasons. Um, In my unprofessional opinion, it may be because, you know, with a trauma bond, they still need. I mean, you can put a roof over someone's head and put food on the table. Parents will say that. Um, But the, the psychological, emotional element has to be there the ch- children need to be loved. People need to be loved. But, you know, there's that if you remove that piece, that's missing. And they still want that from their parents, even though their parents couldn't provide that to them. So, you yeah, know there's I- a there's a great book. Um, uh, we'll put
1: it in the show notes. It's called Why Love Matters. And it's about um, why love is so important in the developing child um, Even in the fetus like in in utero. So we'll put the notes in there It's a great book that I have uh, delved into but okay if well, People that... are more interested in the attachment and how that affects developing brain of a child
0: sounds sounds good Maybe it's something we can even cover. hmm Yeah, sure. So, um Her family was constantly on the mood. She was born in Santa Monica then lived in uh, Connersville, Indiana, moved to Northern California, and then finally settled in Tyler, Texas. When she was 15, she uh, went to the East Coast to join a missionary group and she traveled uh, with the group to Africa. At 17, her parents split and her father went to California and she went to live with him. So now let's talk about the, her physical injuries uh, aside from what happened with her family, with her parents. She had... A major motorcycle accident and had a traumatic brain injury in which her head slammed off the pavement it was so bad that it permanently affected her vision she had to wear strong or she's still alive so strong corrective lenses because the damage was uh, irreparable but she, she didn't go to the hospital the only reason she went was months later when she had put on next to 100 pounds because her Thyroid thyroid had been affected, and so at this this point, the doctor, you know, I think gave her meds or did whatever um, treatment, and she was able to lose all the weight again.
1: Wow! So people be like, well, why wouldn't she go to the hospital? Because well, sometimes if you've had trauma, sometimes you get in trouble, right? Like people would be like, you're always getting in trouble. You're always getting sick or hurt or something. It's like an inconvenience. It could so be wonder,
0: money, you know, because hospitals yeah, are expensive. Yeah, that's true. Could have been or, that. you know, she had her brain rattled, didn't think about it. She was maybe just confused and went home. You know, there's a lot of reasons uh, for it. Um, years later, sorry, not years later, one year later, she got hit by a car.
1: Like as a pedestrian? As a pedestrian. Oh, okay.
0: She somehow got home and was unconscious for two days. When she came to, she went to the hospital. Why? Because her arm was shattered. She had to have surgery to put it back together with plates and screws now okay was there no one around her what about the person who hit her (laughs) well yeah maybe that person that hit her was like let me get you home and sweep you under the rug and let's not talk about it but you know she was living with her father at the time what what so i mean i guess if you do have abusive parents it'd be like yeah just go lie down uh you know and then two days later oh you, you must have been tired I don't know, but I mean, it's absolutely Imagine her arm was, like, all fucked up looking. And no, she it was walks. all, like, wibbly wobbly. If she had to, like, get plates and screws, it's like, and that's what got her to the hospital. So three months after that, she was in another car accident. She was supposed to wear her corrective lenses all the time, but felt really self-conscious about them and didn't wear them even when driving. So she was driving her aunt around for errands and she slammed into a parked car. She hit it so hard that the car started on fire. She crawled out of the rack, kicked open a window, and pulled her aunt to safety. Got all of her front teeth knocked out and had to have surgery and dentures to repair that. So in a two-year period, she had three very serious accidents.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure if she got hit on her arm, she probably fell and hit her head. So there's, you know.
0: Well, no, but she did because she was out for two days, remember? She was unconscious for right. two days well, from, oh, okay. from a head injury.
1: I didn't do, know if that was, she
0: took something. and No, no, no. She was out cold yeah, from okay. the head
1: injury. So, yeah, hit a park car. I think slammed into a park car. So she was in more... a coma
0: practically. Well, I mean, we don't know if she was awake or not. I mean, I, and, but the fact is, is that, yeah, that's really bad. Um, at the age of 20, she moved back to Tyler, Texas. She met a woman by the name of Fran. They fell in love and moved in together. At that point, she got her GED, went to school to become a nurse, but she found it too difficult. Fran would go on to say that her and Gwen had a tumultuous relationship, that Gwen had a Jekyll and Hyde personality. And I think between the abuse and head injuries, that can explain a lot. Now, this is my unprofessional opinion. but This is, this is what I'm thinking. First of all, let's talk about the head injuries. I think she likely, at least with one of them, had a coup contra coup head injury. And that's picture a ball that you're bouncing. When you bounce the ball, it doesn't stick to the floor. It bounces back up. So your brain will hit the inside of your skull in one direction and go back against it. Um, And so I think this would explain maybe frontal lobe and occipital lobe damage, depending on which, whatever hit first. Um, And so let's talk about the frontal lobe. The executive function is planning, problem solving, motivation, judgment, memory, reward, decision-making, impulse control, social behavior, personality, learning, um, and attention. The, so, you know, the, the motor movements and, and stuff like that. And mobility are also in that area as well. So physical, your ocular movement is involved. Your frontal eye movement, your rapid eye movement is in that center is in the, the frontal lobe and facial movement and skeletal muscular movements, like we talked about, gait. Um, and so if she hit the back of her head, that's the occipital lobe, which is the vision center. And then with trauma, uh, PTSD, your limbic system is affected. So that's your limbo, uh, limbic lobe, your amygdala, your hypocampal formation, Thalamus, hypothalamus, you know, like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. But the whole point it comes down (laughs) to, that involves learning and memory and emotions and behavior. So um, PTSD hijacks your brain in response to stimuli. You go into a fight or flight or freeze, um, you know, response. The prefrontal cortex shuts down and the brain becomes disorganized and overwhelmed. The body goes into a survival mode and shuts down the higher reasoning parts of your brain and you have a profound stress uh, stress response. So I think you put all that stuff together. It can really explain a lot of how she became who she was. Um, But she was, you know, she was aware of what she was doing, that what she was doing was wrong. But I just think, it. you know, this is no excuse, but this may actually be one of those cases where you can go, ah, we can maybe see why this happened.
1: Well, definitely would have contributed. And I know enough from my work of working with people with concussions who've had these kind of head injuries um, that have affected the hypothalamus. I've had a few clients who've, you know, gained weight, any of the autonomic So the hypothalamus is, you know, responsible for a lot of autonomic stuff, sleep, wake, circadian rhythm hunger, thirst, you know, um, so I've had clients who've, yeah, put on weight or had trouble sleeping and it's usually a a frontal, you know, impact and it's affecting the hypothalamus, which can then in turn affect the pituitary and then the thyroid, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a cascade effect.
0: I mean, I get it on a, on a personal level myself. I've had a, uh. A generous amount of uh, head injuries (laughs) and uh, PTSD. So, uh, luckily, uh, through love, support, and and different things, I am not a serial killer, but Mary wonders sometimes if I could be (laughs) based on um, my uh, rantings. My rantings. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the other portion of this is that she was a binge drinker, and when she did drink, she would usually drink to blackout drunk and get violent. Mm-hmm. um she's getting a lot of bar brawls parking lot fights and but contrastly contrastly i always say speak so weird <laughs> she would be the first to help out a neighbor she really liked helping people so she could go from like anger i'm gonna get you to someone else needing help and she'd be the first one to jump in and help or so, was
1: she in these brawls jumping in and defending somebody? Or probably Being not. kind of a... a sm- oh, she might have, but it was... Well, oh, one- you said she's kind of a small... She's a small gal. Like, she's like, what, 5'2 or
0: something? Yeah, 5'2 at this point, 5'2, 140. So she's like a scrappy little bulldog yeah. kind of thing, you know?
1: You know someone like that? Maybe I do.
0: <laughs> okay, so we'll see how this all plays out, um, in, in you know, and how it factors into the horrors that uh, unfold at Alpine Manor. So... Going back to Tyler, Texas, Fran decided to move to Grand Rapids, Michigan because she was bored and needed something new. Gwen, who was 22 at the time, decided to follow her out because she wanted something new as well and she wanted to go to school to become a paramedic. So just get the hell out of Dodge, Texas. (laughs) So Gwen moved in with Fran and it was a really bad situation. She lived in a really, like a tiny, tiny little apartment in a not great apartment building and the building was full of people uh, that had drug and alcohol problems and they were always in and out of their apartment and fran was out of their apartment yeah you know or in the building no like would drop in like in the building they lived there but they'd be dropping in, hey let's have a let's have some colt 45 together oh no <laughs> so like a skiffy kind of yeah um so she's like I-, I gotta get out of here this isn't working for me so first she had to find a job so she applied at Alpine Manor. She got the position as an aide. There was a high turnover staff there. We're talking about 66% turnover. Wow, that's a, a lot. massive. <laughs> Gwen's time at Alpine Manor started with a five-day training course, and she trained with two dozen other aides. Now, and this is how it works with an aide: they are assigned to a group of patients per shift, and their roles depend on what the needs of the client are. As um, ordered through the medical chart. And this is a, a really scary thing. They have more contact with the patient than any other staff in the manor. I don't know if it's, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that it, it, it's the same way elsewhere, but here in Canada, in order to work in a nursing home with patients, you have to be a PSW, which is a personal support worker. And that's usually, that can be like a six month to year long training where you. Learn how to take care of people properly. Yeah, you go to like a community college or a vocational school. Yeah, like exactly. The people that were hired there were just literally hired off the streets. I'm not saying you know, you know, they were homeless people. No, <laughs> no. Okay. that well, sounds terrible. Had, I, <laughs> I didn't mean she it had that a way. A
1: little bit, like she did try a bit she of nursing, did. so she had a bit of sort of medical. But they, the, the
0: the thing is that anybody could you could be um, doing any other profession looking for a job, they would hire you. Hmm. Um. So their responsibility, you know, to preserve skin integrity, um, assessing for breakdown. So repositioning, skincare, bathing, lifts, transfers, meals, and feeding if needed, vital signs, um, safe application of physical restraints as needed. So all of those things without any training other than a five day, you know, quick and dirty course, my loved one, I have, I mean, I'm not saying they're all terrible like they're not bad people that are taking these positions but they're untrained and maybe some of these people weren't great well clearly yeah
1: i mean it could be different from state to state too like when i when i was in florida teaching massage therapy you know the the qualifications to be a massage therapist were different from state to state some places you needed to pass like a statewide exam and some places it was you had to get a license from the county or the district you were in it wasn't so it could I mean be it wasn't regulated. so it could be different in each state There could i think florida had a pretty good sort of i don't know if they call them psws they might have called them like healthcare aides aids or something like that but they you know at the
0: end of the day i mean at this alpine manor they're pretty sloppy with hiring okay i mean it's scary Gwen found that working with actual patients was not the same as watching in-service training videos. Residents of nursing homes have many different personality traits, quirks, and routines, as all of us do. And the level of of frustration for a client is often exacerbated because of loss of independence, health, autonomy, and if you have confusion, you're not aware of what's going on and you could act out that way. Sometimes it comes out as aggression and... Well, the, de- the patient has uh, dementia or is of sound mind. Depression is very high in nursing homes. And sometimes there's fear and a feeling of hopelessness. However, it's not all doom and gloom for every her- nursing home. Many homes have activities for the clients, crafts, music, games, and outings. And, and it's a very nurturing environment. Clean, bright, and the clients are happy and settled. Not, you know, again, that's not everybody would be this way, but there are obviously some really good nursing or care homes out there. So this was not the case for Alpine Manor. Gwen learned about working with the elderly pretty quickly. On the first day, she had water thrown in her face and then food spit at her. But on the same day, she saved someone's life because they were choking on food. So, you know, um, that's a lot to, to happen on your first day.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty wide range of uh, things going on there.
0: But it speaks of her personality too, right? Like where something negative would happen, and then, um, it, then she would also, in the same token, something positive would happen in her life. It's that black and white sort of thinking that sort of matched her personality? Right. She didn't. I don't know. She maybe did I, not. I, not save the person. Yeah. Maybe this is a stretch of thinking, but that's how I saw it. Yeah. So that's Gwen, and it's all going to be coming together here. You shall see that we need to get back to Kathy talk a little bit about her <laughs> Mary's like what? Right. and talk about her and see how Gwen and Kathy come together we talked about how Kathy was dating this Dawn at the time she had a split up with her husband and she was partying a lot and causing a lot of shit at the nursing home so a little just a tiny thing about Dawn she hated men like, absolutely hated men. So when Kathy told her all these lies about Ken, she was able to suck her in and bring her into her world and and manipulate her even more. And she said that, you know, Ken would play head games with her and emotionally abuse her and turn her daughter against her and ordered her around, punished her, raped her, said all these terrible things that Ken did not do. So Dawn moved in with Kathy. So they were shacking up together. And one time Ken went over and found them in bed together. So he assaulted Dawn. Which is fucking bullshit. But he assaulted her. And Kathy took off. Leaving Dawn alone in the house with Ken. And so someone we all know I mean we talked about Dawn's history a bit. She came from abuse and abandonment and alcoholism and stuff like that so okay you're living with this woman her ex-husband comes over kicks the shit out of you and your partner doesn't even stay and it's her husband and takes off
1: Hmm.
0: I mean this is just it's so messed up it's so horrible so they they stayed together and um (laughs) Oh my goodness. But then Dawn so she stayed
1: she stayed regardless like even though
0: Dawn so you see Kathy she has this way of manipulating people and and holding on to them where Dawn you can see why she stayed if she had come from a history of abuse and she was in love with Kathy. So um and she noticed that Kathy toyed around with Ken. So I mean how much of a mixed message she says all these things about him but she's not afraid of him except for you know when when that happened. And she toys with him and that she didn't seem concerned about her daughter at all. She didn't talk about her. She didn't do anything about her, you know, that kind of thing. Also, what was going on this time is Kathy was having a lot of parties um, and going to gay bars or vice versa. So party, gay bar, gay party. And she would like, she would control the parties at her house in the sense that everybody would get wasted and she would sit back and watch the goings on. Um, And she was abusive to her sexual partners While having sex, she liked to um, Hit them, bite them, and scratch them And she got very turned on by it Dawn noticed that she was Getting very close with Gwen At the time, so enter Gwen now Into the situation And Dawn thought that Gwen and Kathy Had a bad influence on each other They once got so Wasted on their lunch break at work They were sent home (laughs) Now, were they fired? No Wait, okay, so Kathy and Don got drunk no, on their No, Kathy pre- and Gwen.
1: Oh, Kathy and Gwen, sorry. Right, okay, Kathy and
0: Gwen. Got hammered on their lunch break, went and then was were drunk at work, and they were sent home. Not fired, not don't come back, don't pass go. <laughs> and another time they went joyriding together. Well, they were hammered and they hit a bunch of pylons and signs and barricades. So they would just go out drunk joyriding. God, who's driving? (laughs) God, who knows? Um, And then the the threesomes and the foursomes started to happen. Again, you know what? Do what you want. Consenting adults. But you can see like how she just went like spiraling. Yeah. So, you know, her and Ken were still having contact and he noticed the change in Kathy physically. She, start, she dyed her hair. She started to wear makeup and dresses. He, know, he knew that she was constantly drinking and partying and that it was taking its toll on her. And yeah, and, and obviously, well, he noticed that it was taking its toll on her. And obviously they had a shit relationship, but I guess things were getting worse with them. So in the meantime, Ken had got an apartment for him and Jamie and had enrolled enrolled her in school and started a life without Kathy. You know, Ken just seems like a really weak guy to me. You know, like, how long did he live with her and allow the abuse to happen to her daughter? And why did it take so long for him to leave and protect her? That pisses me off about the guy. And I don't guy, girl, woman, man, I don't care, you gotta put your kids first. Kathy's obviously just a complete scumbag. But it took him far too long to um do the right thing for his daughter. So yeah. she asked him constantly for money and he would give it to her. She knew how to play him. Wait, he's raising the daughter. Yes. So why is she asking him for money? She should be paying alimony. He gives her the house. He's paying for the house. He bought her a car. He's paying for the car. And he's raising the daughter and still giving her money whenever she asks for it. She would even go over to his apartment and try to seduce him. And then she'd turn around and say, no, change my mind. Just to head games and
1: manipulation, right? Just like to the yeah. nth degree, right? I mean, that's... She totally should have been paying him, not the other way around. Yeah,
0: it just It's insane. So, um... The relationship between her and Don ended abruptly. Don got fired for being drunk at work and, you know, they, they kind of split up after uh, slowly after that. Now, I'm, I'm just going to talk about a couple of women that work there that can speak of Kathy's behavior and even testified uh, against her. So one of them is uh, Angie Brozak. I believe I spoke before about how her and her husband would go out with Kathy and Ken as a couple.
1: Right, right, kind of like not dum- not double day, but like well, they sort of yeah, sort of yeah, they the would couples hang. Got two together. couples that hang out together. Yeah. Now.
0: yeah, so Kathy split with Ken, and she and Angie split with her husband. In fact, Angie really thought Kathy was a good friend to her because she was going through breast cancer or had g- breast cancer and had to get a double mastectomy, and Kathy apparently helped her all through this, was very supportive, and then there was a huge shift in her behavior. So she went from that to being very spiteful. And she told these terrible, terrible stories about Ken. And Angie was like, oh, I just didn't see any evidence of that. But wow, how did that, how did that happen so fast? So she felt this, this change started with her when she started hanging out with this um, guy, Wendell, an openly gay man um, from Alpine Manor. It's not Wendell's fault, but I guess she was introduced to the gay scene through Wendell. Um, so she started to go to tons of gay bars, getting absolutely hammered and then, you know, parties and my I talked about that, sometimes you can be introduced to a world, but after that point, it's on you to how you behave, you know, so it's not Wendell's fault. She just took it from there. So many of the staff from the nursing home, followed Kathy to the club. So she had this little, I don't know, she had a posse a harem yeah yeah more that's better a harem (laughs) um so angie liked going to the gay bars because she felt that she was really accepted there um and that it was a ton of fun so she's like hey this is great i can be who i want to be and i can have a lot of fun and but she was really surprised about how kathy acted she was a sloppy drunk she was obnoxious and again the parties um she also saw another side of kathy that she was very Petty and really enjoyed hurting people. And if she decided not to like someone, she could be cruel. And inevitably, she would spread lies and have the other staff turn on them. So the people that worked there that she decided to, you know, target would either be bullied to such a degree that they quit. And if they didn't, Kathy would go to the managers or the supervisors, tell lies about them, and get them fired. She loved it. She she really got a a a a high a kick out of this yeah power trip tip
1: like a typical you know manipulation power
0: and i found this a little bit of funny this is something that i i read in the book and again the the book is in the show notes (laughs) kathy apparently said to angie don't fall in love with me (laughs) and angie's like yeah don't worry (laughs)
1: Don't, don't fall in love with me. Everybody falls in
0: love with me. I, oh, it, was it won't me. be good for you if you fell in love with me. Um. So with Dawn gone, Kathy was looking for a new roommate slash girlfriend slash follower. And she had her eyes set on Gwen. And Gwen at the time was really well liked at the nursing home. She was doing a great job. She was considered a good worker. That She was kind to the patient's. Like uh, the patients were always clean, well cared for. She was, she was doing an excellent job. You mean when they were under her care, she, she did a good job. Yeah, no, she was, she was just really good at her job. She did a great job. And then Angie saw that there was, you know, some sparks going on between the two. And she said to Gwen, look, just be careful. She told her how she treated Don, how she just used people up and, um, how she uses people and, then spits them out afterwards right so she's just
1: kind of cautioning her to be you know
0: her true nature
1: yeah but it didn't work
0: okay let's talk about ladonna Stearns. like i said i'm talking about very specific women that worked there because they did have dealings with kathy and saw the fallout from her for ladonna it was love at first sight kathy had invited her to parties and she fell in love with her All the women that attended her parties were attracted to Kathy in one way or another. Um, They were all from Alpine Manor, and it didn't matter if they were gay or straight. Kathy would spend most of the time in her bedroom, calling in one or two special women at a time. See, she had a harem. I know, it's just like, she's in her boudoir. (laughs) You know, and she's like, oh, Barb, oh, Sally, come in here. (laughs) I mean, it's just so creepy and cringy. Um, and then the other yeah. women would hope that they would be chosen. Like tonight, will it be my night? It's just, it's absolute insanity. What do you call that Um, group hysteria? Where one person can get really like going about something and then it, it's usually like an isolated group of people and then they all go kind of wacky and then when it's all over, they're like, what happened? So anyway, um, she manipulated them all by pulling their heartstrings and making them feel special, you know, all the stuff that she does. And after she ha- had them where she wanted them, she would gaslight them like she did with everybody in her life. And then, like I said, she became emotionally and physically abusive with them. She would play all the women off of each, off of each other, pitting them against each other. And this was the case with Dawn and LaDonna. She would tell lies to them about each other so like i was talking to you about this yesterday let's say you and anna and i'd say mary that anna is a bitch and i'd say anna that mary is a bitch <laughs> and i'd say anna do you know what mary said about you even though she didn't say anything and then you'd be like you know what i mean and then i just i can walk away and you two go crazy on each other so um that's what she was doing power power they would fight over kathy she's mine she's mine she's mine she's mine <laughs> I don't think she was all that in a bag of chips myself, but Yeah, well, to each his own. But you know, someone who's very charismatic. Um, you know, people look at Ted Bundy and they're like, He's gorgeous and it's like, Whoa, wait a minute, what do you guys see that I don't see? I mean, I can see beauty in both genders. Um, or all genders. But uh mm, yeah. Um the, creep, so, the creepy factor yeah. makes it
1: unattractive for me.
0: Yeah. So she was verbally threatening to them and she would sometimes get them into having fist fights with each other. Um, it's like fight club for Kathy. Yeah. And if not all of this the was crazy. The first rule
1: is don't talk about fight club for Kathy.
0: <laughs> if not all. The, okay. So if not all of this was crazy and I just had a picture of fight club for nuns.
1: <laughs> wait, wait! Wasn't there? Wasn't that uh, that was something? It was like something that you and Krennic, Erica, the Krennic
0: Erica show was like that. There was a Fight Club for nuns. Anyway, that, that just passed <laughs> through my head. Okay, so if not all of this was crazy enough, all the women would end up sleeping with each other. Can you? Imagine? This is this is upside down, crazy ward, crazy world crazy ward yeah they could be all in a way so most of these women were sleeping with each other at any given time constantly switching patterns it was like kathy was the leader of a sex cult oh partners okay constantly switching partners it was like kathy was the leader of some crazy sex cult oh no (laughs) and then she was still messing around with with ken
1: what you mean like messing around like like just like Mentally, emotionally, manipulate him like, come here, go away, come here, go
0: yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Or she, there's times where she would like make out with him, and then you know things were get going. She'd be like, "Oh, what am I doing?" And she'd get up and leave. Like she was just uh... a psychopath. Yes, or a sociopath. Uh huh. Take your pick. So Ladonna actually confessed her love to Kathy, and Kathy was like, "I'm sorry, don't fall in love with me. We can't be together," <laughs> and left her heartbroken the old don't fall in love with me don't fall in love with me i can't imagine being that whatever that is sane you Uh, know sense of self-importance and say that to just whoever like all my friends i say to them don't fall in love with me (laughs) oh god it's like uh it's like when you take like
1: a straight friend to to a gay bar and they're like why aren't the girls hitting on me like they all expect to be hit <laughs> on you know and it's like uh... um everybody
0: has their different uh tastes and flavors or whatever um so Kathy had set her sights on Gwen Kathy and Gwen did the stereotypical <laughs> I don't know what, first what do date they, they you know get it on second date they get a u-haul and move in together <laughs> Oh, no, the U-Haul second date. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, That does happen, guys, too. It's, you know, if I'm offending any lesbians out there, it happens. It does happen for some. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Kathy was highly intelligent, and Gwen had a lower IQ. And I don't know if she was... Well, see, Kathy had such a high IQ. She... Had one higher than most people, like we're talking genius level, but I know so much of as Gwen had a low IQ as she had gone through all the right the shit she'd gone through. So Kathy's the evil genius, and she's the she's the follower of you know um that's what you usually see in in a duo or two serial killers working together. One is the one that, like you said, is the brains behind it, the manipulator, and the other one. Tends to follow and, and follow through. Though they may both do it. The other one is able to put it mostly onto the, the follower type. So Kathy liked to play cards and board games and all that kind of stuff. It was an opportunity to like flaunt her super intelligence. But she would pick one person. And she would like center on them all night. Humiliate them, Humiliate them like, in your face in your face like why would i would be i'm out i'd flip the card table and and strut out of the room (laughs) no i wouldn't do that but i mean yeah, you (laughs) wouldn't no i wouldn't oh no i don't i only ever got mad playing games once when we were doing the video game jeopardy (gasps) that's the only time because van was buzzing in so fast but he didn't really know the answers most of the time. (laughs) And then I wasn't fast as fast a buzzer, but I knew the answers and I didn't think it was fair. That's all. I'm just going to leave it like that. (laughs) So uh, anyway, uh, so Kathy could convince Gwen to do anything. She would um, tell her a really, you know, long sob story and Gwen would be like, Oh, I want to love you and protect you. And she'd say things like I'm ugly and I hate myself. And then Gwen would be like, oh, well, let's go out and get you new clothes and help you, you know, feel good about yourself. Even though Kathy didn't feel that way, that's how she was able to, or one of her ways of getting people to follow for her. Um, so she wanted to protect uh, Kathy. Kathy led Gwen on romantically and then would pull away. So she was doing that as well. Um, and Gwen was just like, what? What the hell's going on? And she didn't know what to do. Kathy would act like she wanted her as a girlfriend And then she'd be like You're garbage, get out of here, I don't like you But by then, Gwen had already fallen in love with Kathy And for Kathy, she had Gwen in that perfect position That she wanted all people to be in with her So let's talk about uh, another guy by the name of uh, Tony Kubiak He was also an aide at Alpine Manor He had... Um, split up with his partner and got a new apartment but needed a place to stay for two weeks before um, he could move in so Kathy's like come on in you can live with us for for the couple weeks and he was like what the hell is going on here so here's some quotes from him I got from the book uh, that I have in the, the notes um quote the scene was crazy girls were out on the street making out end of quote um I'm just gonna say all the all them together, so one big quote end <laughs> quote. Quote, Teenagers do that kind of thing. They were very pubescent, hickeys all over, that kind of stuff. It was just a bizarre situation. There was also a lot of noise, people fighting, late at night in the yard, a lot of yelling. It was actually over some relationship Kathy was involved in. Gwen would get sick of Kathy's head games and say that she was done with the relationship. When Gwen tried to get away from Kathy, Kathy literally grabbed her by the hair on her head and pulled her back into the bedroom. They were fighting and screaming and slapping. Kathy had the upper hand. Kathy was very possessive." End quote. So he witnessed his stuff firsthand himself. He saw that everybody was sleeping with everybody and Kathy decided who would sleep with who. So not only was everybody sleeping with each other, she decided who would sleep with that, what person at any given time.
1: So it's Kathy's sex club. Don't talk no, about Kathy's sex cult club. or whatever. whatever. Oh, my
0: God. Anyway, so um, it's just it's so twisted. Um, and then I, I just she just carried on with the stuff where she was, uh, you know, um, bullying people at work, having them quit. And that, that just continued to carry on. So, I want to give you a bit of an idea of the size difference between Kathy and Gwen, um, just to not just to get a visual, but to see how Kathy could be so physically dominating to her. Even though Gwen was, you know, a tough girl, woman, um, it was hard to fight against Kathy because she was so physically imposing. So, Kathy was 5'11 and a half, and at this point, almost 400 pounds. Gwen was five two and one forty, so you could see how uh Kathy could really be um abusive to her. She could i mean that that's a huge size difference. and so she could you know dominate her physically mentally and emotionally on on every level, so um just just in for her size alone. And the size of her personality and her psychopathy and all that kind of stuff. So this is the, the pattern that Kathy had with people. She'd make friends. Suck them in with sob stories. And then they'd, they'd want to protect her and take care of her and love her. And then they would she would seduce them. Whether it was through wanting to be like her best friend or you know, sexually, but it was mostly sexually. Then she would abuse them. And then she told them exactly how they could live their life. And then she would have one person that she would make exclusive or make them feel like they were exclusive and then become incredibly possessive of them. And then when that was all said and done, she'd tire of them, she would turn on them and get everybody else to turn on them. And like I said, they would quit or um, get fired. And this is the pattern she had with everybody. So she always had a rotation of people um, going on. And if you can imagine what Alpine Manor was at this point, especially on the third shift, which is what they work, is that she owned the place. And even when she wasn't there, her presence dominated the place because, you know, I don't want to say this or say that in case it got back to Kathy, you know, that kind of thing. I don't want to talk to this person Or that person in case it got bad to Kathy, you know, so she just, she just dominated the place. So Kathy and Gwen, like I said, work third shift together and they were always trying to align their schedule to each other. And at least one of them would call in sick each week so that they could, again, be around each other. But again, there there was, there was no consequences for this because the turnover was so high. That, I mean, if they could be hammered at lunch and not get fired, calling in regularly wouldn't get them fired either. And Kathy loved the third shift because it was the easiest shift or seen as the easiest shift because the day and evening staff would do all the work. So by like even bathing and and stuff like that, they would get them ready for bed because the evening shift or the night shift was 11 to 7 a.m. So other than checking on the patients, answering call bells and ambulating them to the bathroom that type of thing there wasn't a heck of a lot for them to do so most of the things that they would do on this shift is read sleep gossip and then Kathy got bored of this and decided it would be fun to pull pranks of course it wasn't her that actually pulled the pranks she would get everybody else to do it and sit back and watch what was going on and it would also relieve her of any responsibility if anything came back. She'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I didn't do it. Then the other people wouldn't say shit if their mouth was full because don't want to get in the way of Kathy. So I'm just going to list some of the things that she did. So some of these things were just, you know, juvenile things. Not okay to do, but juvenile. But then they became incredibly sinister. So I'm just going to read a bunch off. Um, so she would, to, to get the new staff, they would ring the call bell and then lie under the patient's bed. And when the patient, the aide would go in to see what was going on, they would reach out from under the bed and grab their ankle. So it's, you know, night shift, scary, ah, scare the hell of the, uh, the client as well. They removed the screens off the patient's windows as escape routes. So they'd be running around doing whatever and then made it so they could just, like, dive out of the windows to escape whatever game that they were playing. They have patients there that have dementia and stuff like that that could, too, walk out and, you know, get out of the the windows. They would reverse the patient's lying position so you'd go in and their feet would be where their head were and etc. And they switch beds in rooms. You know, so Mrs... Cunningham and Bill Smith would be in each other's spot which okay ha 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 whatever but I mean if there was an emergency that would not be good at all
1: it's it's, it's well doesn't it's I mean, juvenile so for a fact that it's disrespectful to the client too, well but... no well
0: yeah obviously but I mean yeah we're getting into where it gets really demented and uh yeah One of the things Kathy would do regularly is uh, take Gwen and restrain her in a geriatric chair. You know, they get in and you can lean them back like a a lazy boy and then put a tray across the top. And it was a a way of restraining some clients. And uh, so she would do that to Gwen or she would dress up a mannequin and put it in a dark room. And the person would walk in, turn the light on, and there's this dressed up mannequin sitting in the chair. I know I would have a heart attack. That would be the last day on earth for me. <laughs> that would be it. I'd either would die or end up in a straitjacket.
1: Well, we know you don't like dolls and mannequins and stuff. I Clowns. I feel fantastic.
0: Hey, hey, hey. And then she, you know, she was in, in a sense using the patients as a form of entertainment because it was all surrounded for the most part you know, these patients, but this is where it gets really, really sick. And again, I was talking to you about this yesterday and you saw how pissed off I was getting. So there was an intercom system and every room there was a a speaker, a two-way speaker. And of course it was piped through different areas of the, of the care home. She would get music, really obnoxious music and play it into the main intercom system. So it would be piped into every room. So these poor people would have to listen to, say, like, ACDC full blast through the intercom in their room. So it's bad enough if you're, you know, alert and oriented and aware of what's going on. That's horrible. But if you're confused, that could be absolutely terrifying. And well, even if you're not confused. So she would do that. She thought it was pretty funny. Or she would write up, like, nonsense announcements. Uh, I don't know. There's a white elephant sale in the... Kitchen right now. Come get your—I don't know—high heel shoes. <laughs> but she would write something like that out. But she would have cognitively impaired patients or patients with aphasia go in, to go to the speaker and read them out loud. So she was making fun of them. Um, yeah,
1: not okay. With no,
0: that, that's just that's just terrible. Or this is one of the worst of them all. Um, there, some patients with dementia as as they go deeper into it or advanced they would put things in their mouth everything in their mouth for they just do hmm. and it de-
1: but not like a pica.
0: no it doesn't seem to be like a pika it's more like you know how babies put things and i don't want to say that they're babies but it's like um they i don't know it's just something that you like can see Inversion to something yeah okay. like a, the advanced stages of dementia and there were a couple patients there that that would do that and so she literally put like M&Ms on the ground like ET and would set a trail and, and get these patients and have them walk around this trail of candy and, and laugh and make fun of them. Yeah. So that's just sick shit.
1: And unsanitary.
0: Well, well, yeah, but I mean, it's a sick shit overall. Um, and the thing is confused patients, they can complain, but it doesn't mean anybody is going to believe them or most people won't they'll they'll just oh well you know that's just john he's you know he's he's confused and you know these are all reportable offenses she should have been fired she should have been hauled out of there (laughs) and even criminal charges laid against her but guess what everybody was afraid of her so they didn't report her and things got much worse as we find out because They became more and more abusive, Kathy and Gwen, towards the patients, and then this deranged behavior led to murder. And it was not uncommon for staff, including Gwen and Kathy, to have sex in patients' rooms. Not in an empty room, but in an empty bed that may be in the patients' room. What? That's like so... Yeah, it's... Unprofessional. (laughs) Unprofessional? (laughs) It's beyond unprofessional.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's everything It's indecent it's 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 disturbing it's i I don't really have a lot of words for how
0: bad that is so i on that sick and disturbing note um i think we're going to end today's episode the next and final episode i think i believe it will be final episode (laughs) we're gonna talk about the the murders and then the trial and where they are now yeah okay because I like to take a bit of a time, to- a bit of time to, um, to talk about the the victims. Yes. Um, and I was thinking that maybe we could do that today, but it just doesn't give enough time to give their due. Okay. So thank you everybody for listening today. Thank you everyone. Really appreciate that, as you know. Um, thank you for all the Patreon supporters and those of you who leave iTunes reviews. If you have time or you haven't yet i'd appreciate it if you could go to itunes and leave a review uh please feel free to go to the facebook group and join and hang out we love 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 when you guys go there it's one of the best groups in the world and yeah that's about it for today so thank you for listening i already said that but i still mean it (laughs) and remember to take care of yourself take care of one another and most importantly love yourself peace one love crime and it gets real. sometimes it'll be the cure that'll kill you gotta watch out yeah you gotta watch it back because you don't want to be another episode of stat thank you for tuning in learn a thing or two these medical mysteries can be unbelievable yeah subscribe make sure you do that so you'll be tuned in and be ready for the next show stat